Thank you for downloading this episode of a History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the histories, experiences, and stories of Central Florida and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Bethany Dickens, and I will be your host for today's episode, titled Celts. You may be unfamiliar with the term Celt, but a Celt was a tool used by ancient Indians. Its distinctive feature is that it is shaped like the cutting part of an axe. These tools would have been affixed to a wooden handle and would be used by ancient Native peoples in a variety of ways. This podcast will feature three distinct Indian Celts found throughout Florida that tell a complicated story of Indian trade networks and social structures. These Celts are on display at the Silver River Museum and Environmental Education Center in Ocala, Florida. Dr. John Endonino from Eastern Kentucky University told us about what Celts were used for and how they might have been made. Celts are a kind of tool often used in woodworking. You might think of them kind of as an axe. Um, they can do heavy cutting or they can do lighter cutting, generally with wood. Um, the manufacturing of a celt depends largely on what it's made from. A shell celt would just um, have to be, a segment would be extracted from the larger shell, uh, usually of a conch um, that it came from. And then it would be ground on some kind of hard abrasive stone until the proper shape and cutting edge were achieved. The three celts in our podcast are all made from unique materials. One is a shell celt, another is a greenstone celt, and finally a copper celt. What all these celts have in common is that each was part of some intricate trade network established by the pre-Columbian Indians of Florida. The shell celt was found in the interior of central Florida and was probably acquired through some trade with Indians on the coast, while the greenstone would probably have come from the mountains of Tennessee, while the copper would have originated in the Great Lakes region, far from the Mount Royal Indian Mound site where the object was uncovered. Dr. John Endonino explained to us how extensive this trading network was. Well, one thing we have to to consider is that pre-Columbian peoples had far-reaching exchange networks that emerged in what's called the Middle Archaic about seven to 8,000 years ago. And by five to 4,000 years ago, they were pretty well developed and continued to function into later prehistory. So early on, you do find some exotic, well, at least from the Florida perspective, we would consider them exotic. Well, when you find these things, they have, you know, they've traveled a long way, and they have an inherent social value in that they're extremely rare, and individuals who have higher social standing, such as, um, you know, a chief, they would have controlled access to things like greenstone and copper, and then determined how they were distributed. Based on where these celts were found, researchers assumed that they were not utilitarian in nature, but had a symbolic or ceremonial function. 
Dr. John Endonino speculated with us as to why this may have been the case. The way that a self uh, is perceived other than a tool depends largely on where you're at. As an example, in Florida, there is no greenstone. There is no copper available in the natural environment. So any self made from greenstone or copper must have come from someplace else. And being that they are relatively rare, uh, they would have served either a social or perhaps ideological purpose. And that they were used in areas other than day-to-day -day activities like cutting down trees or making canoes is the fact that you find copper cells and greenstone cells in burial mounds in later pre-Columbian context indicates that they weren't necessarily used as tools, but they were social and status items. The copper celt is the most exotic of the three because it traveled the longest distance. You may have learned about the Silk Road, the United East and West in the ancient world, but possibly there was a copper road that connected the North and South on the American continent during the same time. Dr. Gerald Milanich, Emeritus Professor at the University of Florida, told us about the availability of copper in Florida before European contact. Not only did Florida Indians, like the St. John's people, know how to use their environment, but they knew about everybody else. I'm sure there were stories that there were uh, trading expeditions. It may even been that chiefly individuals took journeys to go and, and meet with other groups. And one of the things they did was trade. We In Florida, we see objects that come that are made from copper that was we know was mined around the Great Lakes area at about uh, 500 B.C. In other words, Indians up there are mining copper, and then you cold hammer it into copper beads, and they get traded down perhaps to somebody you know in Illinois, and then they get traded. Uh, it's not necessarily that Florida Indians went to uh, the Great Lakes, but they might well have traded uh, with people who came down from Alabama and Georgia who got this stuff from somebody in Kentucky, who got it from Ohio, who got it from uh, Illinois. But the trade networks reached uh, certainly up into the Great Lakes area. The copper celt really explains the extent and interconnectedness of Mississippian culture and the link this great ancient Indian society shared with the native peoples of Florida. You might think that a celt made out of copper would make an ideal tool. However, the celt was probably never used, except for ceremonial purposes. George Long from the University of Central Florida told us why its design and location in a burial mound explains its purpose. And, and this particular celt, which is essentially, uh, you could call it an axe head type shape, is made out of copper, and it uh, was never used for cutting down trees. This is a ceremonial piece, a trade item of some significance, made out of copper. It turns out that this is associated with, or often found with maybe burials of some very elite uh, warrior type priest. It's uh, clearly what we might, we call a in this case, in the context of Mount Royal, it would be a Mississippian uh, culture type of, of artifact. Another indication of the differences between a copper, stone, and shell celts is the skill needed to produce such an item. Stone and shell could be found and fashioned into a cutting or ceremonial instrument without too much engineering by the artisan. However, creating a copper celt like the one in this podcast would have been more complex, as George Long reminded us. Copper is heated. 
and it's um, it, it's heated and hammered. They probably have some pure copper, but m- most of it I think would probably be smelted, mm-hmm. uh, to heat it until the copper ran out of the out of the matrix, and then you would uh, eventually keep reheating it and hammering on it. Since these celts were ceremonial in nature, we have to ask the question: Who might have owned or been responsible for these items? Tools made from exotic raw materials were symbols to denote some social segmentation of pre-Columbian Indian societies in Florida. Like the items found in episode one at the Wendover burial site, these objects also speak to a people with a complex social structure that manifested some sophisticated abstract meaning to these everyday objects. George Long imagined who might have owned a celt like this. And it would um, be a prestige item throughout the um, Mississippian uh, sphere of influence, um, especially after it's been worked. It takes a lot of work to anneal uh, this copper and the, to the shapes like that. Every major town would probably have a, um, a chief or a leader who, who uh, covered these uh, copper type of uh, artifacts, uh, celts, uh, copper uh, ear, um, ear pieces, breastplates, a rare material and highly valued. And only, um, only probably just by the very elite in the uh, culture, people who wanted to um, stress their importance through these data symbols. When is a tool just a tool? And when is a tool something precious and a sign of prestige? Not too long ago, corporations would give golden watches to employees retiring who contributed their entire working lives to that company. A watch in the hands of a worker that no longer works might sound like a cruel joke to someone not familiar with the traditions and symbolic meaning to that gesture. But consider the ways in which everyday objects, like the Celts here, transmitted something grand and regal. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of a History of Central Florida podcast. For more information about the Celts featured in this podcast, visit the Silver River Museum and Environmental Education Center at 1445 Northeast 58th Avenue, Ocala, Florida, 34470. Make sure to join us for our next episode titled Hontoon Owl Totem.